May I contact you on 80 metres? Uh, very nice indeed, and no regrets. He's using about 15 watts from uh, South Gippsland. That's right, and on the old battery valve uh, amplifier. Did you say I was just doing things? You've, it's a MOSFET inverter or something? MOSFET inverter, yeah, two MOSFETs, and I'm just all I'm doing is just running it as an operator, and uh, I'm driving a and then another week we were down at Inverloch and I thought, oh, well, I might be able to hear it on 80, but would you believe two metres about strength two, 160 just a hiss, and 80 metres about strength three? Right, yeah, yeah. It was the night that big thunderstorm. Do you remember? Oh, okay. And that was the time we drove down past your place. Yep, yep, yep. So, oh, we've had almost disconnected on that night. That's right. I went outside to have a listen on the uh, the portable radio and there's thunder and lightning. I thought, this is probably not a very good thing to be doing. <laughs> no, not really. Could be, uh, could could be, be a bit risky. That's right, I could have been uh, been blown up, which wouldn't be very good. But that, I'm amazed at just the uh, the sound of it. It sounds much more important than, than, than SSB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. What I'd like, how, how big is the thing? Uh, do you know the, um, uh, what were those, uh, um, what were they called? Do you know those little solid state forest cones? Yes. It's about the size of one of those. Oh, right, yeah. It's a seen those ones. No. I know the little forest phones, um, they're quite, you know, 15 watts out of those boxes, they're quite nice little things. Yep, yep. And the audio, it's not carbon, but it's not much better. No, it's a pretty funny audio on those things. Yeah, you just talk straight into the, it just switches the mod stage into the, um, uh, it just, yeah. Uh, it always had, always those, those um, forest phones always had a clipped audio sound to them. Yeah. They're really funny, if you didn't get them loaded properly into the antenna, they sounded terrible. Yeah, in the handbook it says to uh, get better audio, just detune it a little bit. Yeah, so instead of 15 yeah. watts, you get 12, but it sounds much better. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the, um, the type KB4 small ships radio? No, I don't. That's an unusual one. It's about the same size, again, as the forest phone, but that uses 12-volt filament, 12-volt HT valves in it. 12-volt HT valve? Yeah. What? Yeah. The output must be more than that, though. Yeah, the, output's got an, uh, the output's got a pair of 5763 in it. Right. Right. Um, and for uh, in, in a solid state audio stage, but the rest of it's all valves. And um, yeah, when I first got it, it tricked me because I, I, I couldn't understand why the inverter wasn't working. Right. Uh, because the receiver was a bit dead at the time, and I thought, where's the HT? Yeah. Uh, I can find it in 12 volts and all the damn plates of the valves. And then I realised when I looked them up, they were uh, 12 volt HT valves. 12 volt HT valves. 
Well, I've got it working on 160, and um, I've got a couple of these things up here, and they work really easy on 160, and they're putting out about 15 watts. That's a quite good power. Yeah, it's not bad. Works very well. I made a VFO up, there's six channels, crystal lock transmit receive, yep. and I made a VFO up, and uh, which plugs into both receive and transmit crystal uh, sockets. And, um, yeah, I was up with my first set on 160 metres, I am, actually. That's amazing. It's amazing they can get enough uh, emission from 12 volts high tension. I know. I know. That's right. Are they just normal miniature-sized valves? Yeah, they're 9, uh, 17 metres. Gee, I assume if uh, solid state hadn't progressed as it had, they probably would have um, uh, progressed more in small, you know, low-voltage valves. They might have, too. It's, um, I think for any power work, they don't have to go solid state or uh, a more powerful valve, but for all the RF detection and the IF gain, uh, those valves are fine. Yeah, I guess they'd be hard to get now. Yeah, that's why I got a spare. I managed to get a spare one of the swap mates, and um, that's why I keep it as a spare in case any of the valves go. But funny thing was, I actually worked the guy on 160 meters one day. I actually designed and built these sets. You're joking. And uh, he lives down in Dramana, and um, you know, I asked him if he had any information about them, so he sent me the whole diagram up about them and stuff like that. Isn't that incredible? So, uh, yeah, that was very good. It was very good. So, I mean, he's got the circuit diagram. He used to have a business years ago, and he said, and all the years he's had these sets, he's never had to replace any of those valves. They're, so they're more uh, more reliable than the, 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 the one volt valves are hopeless, weren't they? Yeah, the one and a half volt ones are always a bit unreliable. You look at them the wrong way and they'd pop. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and how many in the early days sets of those did you pop by wiring underneath them, just zip and just rip it, uh, pop the filaments? Yeah, I know. Look, um, I've got a little receiver here which I've restored recently. It's a little um, radio receiver with plug-in coils. Oh, yes. And um, it uses a regenerative IF in it. Uh, the right. And uh, one of the HT rails, and it uses the um, the voltage drop. Uh, like you got a series, you got a series resistor in the HT line, yep. and it goes into the filament chain. And so what happens? If you do a silly thing, which I did, just pull a valve out, yeah. and then you pull it back in, you got because the um, when you switch it on, you haven't had the resistance in line when it comes on. You had the capacitor with charged up, so I pulled all the valves. Yeah, yeah. And the silly thing, you know. I had this super battery valve set when I was a you know, youngster learning about these things and I had it all tuned up, it was working very nicely and I thought I'd do something and I you know, touched something underneath and it must have shorted the, um, it was a series thing right. and it must have shorted one of the things to earth and the, the battery valves got the full voltage and they all just popped. I saw a little, uh, this little flash, the six valves, little, little tiny red glow on each of them and that was it. Yep, yep, well I lost seven valves in this thing <laughs> and I had to around with people to get things to get going in. But I've got it going, it's working well now. Gee. And plug-in tools, we come us on the broadcast, man, up to about 18 metres, I think. That's quite a range. Yeah, it's quite good. Quite good, and uh, results, I've been quite well, too. Gee, it must be stable. Yeah, it's fairly stable. It's fairly stable. So, uh, yeah, no, but look, I'll, I'll get the big 160 metre transfer going. Well, if you're running 15 watts, I suppose, it's improve on the antenna. But, um, yeah, I'll have to try this on 40 metres one day. I've never tried it on 40. Mm. <laughs> I've got the crystal out. Because I've got a couple of friends of mine get up at 40 uh, a.m. Right. What uh, frequency is that? Well, I've got a crystal in here on, um, on 7090. 
Oh, yeah. But that's a, a fairly popular frequency, yeah, but uh, during the day you find times when it's not so active. Mm. Um, but uh, it'd be interesting to see if it works up there. Yeah, well, it's good you've come up. Um, earlier on, your sideband was very nice quality, actually. It was very clean and um, didn't seem to be as fading as much as this, obviously. Yeah. Because it's not the, the half the band. Just a bit of a Heathkit band, which I restored. That was a, a bits and pieces job which I got given to me. Hmm. It was missing the ball file, it was missing all the coils underneath it, all the knobs were missing, um, all the valves were missing, the wiring worm underneath had been cut. Gee. Uh, and the coils out of the RF, the uh, rivet guys were missing, and I managed to get another, another one that had been wrecked and managed to get the bits out of that and get one going out of it. That's incredible, it must have been totally rapid. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a spare pass radio. Hope you didn't pay too much for it. Oh, I got it for nothing. Oh, that's not too bad, then. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good, and uh, yeah, got it going. Quite a few, a lot of dry joints because Eric Kipnell radio. Mm. And yeah, uh, when you get those types of things, you're relying on what how good the person was at the time of doing it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, a bit, uh, a bit dicey, but it seems to, it's certainly the audio is nice. Yeah. Tell me, does Ian still play at uh, AM? AYK. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. Well, he hasn't been on for a couple of years. Right. The, he's sort of moved locations, and I think the. Uh, the radio's taken a, uh, you know, second, third or fourth year. Uh, right. What area has he moved into? Oh, uh, I think down the, um, the bay, you know, um, somewhere, Bow Morris or Hampton or somewhere like that. Okay. And uh, apart from being on two metres, uh, he hasn't got any, uh, I think he's still got some gear, but he's got no uh, big antennas up at the yeah, moment. I actually, I think I spoke to him a couple of times on six metres fairly recently. Oh, yes, he's big on six metres. Yeah, yeah, I think he, last time I spoke to him, I think it was either on Dan or Nary Ryan, somewhere around there, because he does a lot of driving for his job or something. That's right. Yeah. I, I think he's basically, um, I mean, you can't do everything, and I think he specialised just on, uh, on six metres. Right, right, yeah, he said he does tend to listen there a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't do everything, so um, it's, uh, I guess you have to just say, well, you know, I've only got a certain amount of time, and... Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's it. That's right, and uh, so... Yeah, I mean, if all my antennas fell down, well, I probably wouldn't be, have time to put them back up either. <laughs> I'd be off again. Uh, well, I had that problem up here. Um, I was putting antennas. I was going up to my high. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's... Oh, God. Pretty amazing, anyway. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's, um... Yeah. <clears throat> yes, it's, uh, I guess you just have to, you know, you have to build things fairly strong, even though they don't really, you only get the winds a couple of times of the year. And what's it like for, you know, for, for, for radio, that location? Well, it's good here. I'm standing on the property here. If you walk down there, if we walk over to one side, I can see, uh, I can actually physically see um, Druin, Warrigal, Hastings, and right across, there's no other sort of hills in the way. It's incredible. So we've got a good view, and on the other side, I can actually see the lights of Wonsaggy uh, at night looking on the other side. You would, yeah. So uh, from a radio point of view, it's better than the place in Arawana. Right. Because we're on the next valley away, which is clear, and uh, put it this way, an antenna, the same antenna over there, I'll hardly get through, where over here I can get through the stations on 10 metres really well. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so, did you move there for radio reasons or just for other reasons? Uh, my girlfriend lives over here. Right. So I'm, I'm sort of slowly moving in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the equipment, they've, um, 
we've been doing up in outside laundry. All right. And uh, it's an old outhouse, and uh, we've lined it and uh, put shelves in here, and slowly but surely all the equipment's moving across. Gee, that's great. So, uh, which is good because it gets me out of the house, mm. and um, so it doesn't interfere with anyone else in there. Yeah, it is good to have a, a shack that's away from the main living area. Yeah, this is a real shack. Mmm. So you'd sit there and the wind would be blowing, the, in the winter the rain's pouring on the roof. Yeah, we had to go up there and waterproof it. <laughs> uh, we, we were getting a bit of a waterfall in here at times. Right. But uh, no, we're all, all fixed up now. How's the signal down there? Still loud? It's, it's excellent, excellent. There's a few squigglies from Indonesia just in the background. Right, yeah. But there's not much you can do about them. I'm just checking the old amplifier here. It's not the but it's handling it OK. Gee. It's a, um, it's a modified Drew Diamond design. Oh, yes. Yeah, and uh, so I have to be careful that I didn't uh, exceed its uh, rating. I haven't heard much of uh, Drew Diamond for years. No, he does a bit of stuff. He puts uh, a few articles in the uh, AR. Yeah. And stuff, but this, this, this amplifier was very simple. And I modified it because I didn't want to use it. It covers, um, I got a filter there for 160 metres, 80 and 30. Right. Which will make it useful for little colour pieces to get on carrying on those bands. One little project I've always been interested in, you know, I'd like to do, yep. is build a little um, handheld walkie-talkie for 160 and 80. I've looked at various ways of doing that. And I'd be interested to see how well it would work, you know? Well, the closest thing I came to that, um, I used to have a thing uh, called a, a walkie-phone. Oh, yes. You know No, I've never seen them. The funny thing, I think they were used by that guy who first climbed um, out I've seen those, and yes, they've got the carbon mic in like a closed thing on the top. Yeah, they curve out at you. Yes. That's right. I had one of those. He had a VHF version, I had a HF version. Right, they were uh, both versions. Yeah, I had a HF version. What, they used to use load into a telescopic grip, and they were pretty useless. Yeah. And so what I did, I actually made a, an antenna on the top of the antenna, and I put it on the antenna. Right. And I'll tell you what, it made a huge difference. I did a test with a friend, VK3CZ. And I got quite some kilometres away. He was working on a 120 tonne. Yeah. And um, it worked very well. It worked very well. But it was in the antenna, of course, you know. What's the... But the original antenna was pretty lousy. Was this on 80 or 160? This was on uh, 80. Yeah. But I still reckon uh, using the same principle of, uh, of a loaded aerial, you're going to get much more efficiency. Oh, definitely. Whips are hopeless. Yeah. You yep. see all the army things, they just got whips. You think, well, if they loaded antennas, they'd work much better. Yeah, of course they would. I used to, um, to prove the point there, I used to have a, when I first got into radio control metal flying, um, I got sort of a, my first radio was um, a reed set, so 10 reeds. Oh, yes. And it was only 40 milliwatts of power. And I, I sort of wouldn't dare get it in the plane because we did some range tests on up in the ground. Yeah. And you know, you get so far, and it was if you're out of range. Mm. Uh, it was on 27 megs, of course, so um, what I did, um, I actually wound a helically round antenna. Yep. And churned it with a little Isn't that amazing? And I flew that thing for ages, and I had no problems with the range after that. It, it really increased the effective radiated power. Everything to do with uh, with antennas. I noticed, like at at work, that we often use radio mics, 200 megs, 800 megs, or whatever. Yeah. And the bits of wire hanging off, they're totally useless because they get stuck on the body. All they do is just radiate into the body, get detuned. Yeah, yeah. And you make like a little helical thing wind on a bit of um, plastic. Yeah. And it, it increases the range tenfold. Oh. Those little hand-free, uh, hand-free 55 meg uh, transceivers. Yes. Uh, well, what I did with one of those, um, 
I had a pair of those, and I thought I was doing a lot of travelling with a friend, and, and they had their own car. Yeah. Um, I had a little light, which was a little linear amplifier, broadband linear amplifier. Yep. And I actually put out, uh, I think once um, I put out, uh, it gave a bit more power. It was about two or three hundred milliwatts by the time it came out of this thing. Mm. And um, I wound uh, two helically wound whips for fifty, uh, for fifty-two megs or fifty-five megs, wherever it was. Yeah. And was this um, an outside antenna? Yeah, this just clipped onto the car, got a mounted onto the car. And you got a couple of K? Oh, no, we got a several K. That's not bad, no, they run a half a watt or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't really think they, they put out, they're pretty low power on their own. But with this little uh, IC amplifier, mm. they put out close to about a quarter of a watt. And they're getting that distance on that? Yeah, we're we'll getting out quite a good distance. And I remember driving through one day um, through Hanging and this other station came on, obviously they were using one somewhere. And they said, who are you? Uh -huh. <laughs> I said, I was just travelling through and kept on going. Now, that, those sets, they're legal, aren't they? Just buy them and they're just legal. Uh, yeah. You probably could. Well, that's amazing. So, it's, as I say, it's all in the antenna. Yeah. And getting back to those uh, Mount Everest sets, I remember at some disposal store about 10 years ago they, they had some of those. Right. And I remember seeing them because I got a book about, you know, the climbing of Everest. There's a picture of them. Hillary, I think. Uh, Hillary, wasn't That's Hillary? right. Hillary or something. And they use those to talk to the base station. That's right. That's right. They would have been a bit of a pain to cart up the mountain. Uh, a bit of a wait. I um, had a series of 9-volt batteries in the battery compartment in series for the HT. Right. And I used a couple of, I think, uh, D-cells or something for the uh, filament. Mm. But they were a funny valve. They, were, um, they weren't a little normal 710 mini, so they were smaller again about the... They're about the diameter of a pencil. Right. And uh, about, about an inch or two long, that's all. Gee. They just sort of plug into these little sockets. And what sort of power do they put out? A watt or something? Oh, I think they're less than that. I think they're only about half a watt. Yeah, it's amazing. Those things, they had half a watt of bad audio yeah. loaded into just a whip. Yeah, that's right. On, on two megs or something. And, yeah. and you only got a kilometre if you were lucky. Yeah, I Yeah, that's right. Well, I did some tests here. I had a, uh, I made a, uh, about a, a three-foot helical, right. which just with a PL259 in the end, you screwed it into the top of the forest phone, yep. and with a, a duck of gel cell in my pocket and went for a bike ride around the place, right. and had a receiver running here with a tape recorder across it on, on, on 1840, I think yep. it was, yep. and I got 10 or 12K. It was working quite well. And um, it works better if it's on a, you know, a mobile antenna on a car because it can work against the car. Yeah, yeah. But just as a mobile against nothing, it, it still had quite an... Well, it certainly went further than, say, the same power on yeah. two metres direct on handhelds. Yeah. But, yes, I'd like to make... Um, I've got some old, you know, CB handphone things. Right. And they're fairly big and chunky. Yeah, yeah. And you could rip out the junk, use the battery pack, put some NICADs in there, yeah. and just build a... Um, uh, uh, 160, 80 metre little uh, transmitter there. Yeah, what type AM? Oh, I think I just use AM. Yep. Just use the force, you know, carbon mic, um, clipped, um, high power. <laughs> you know, yeah, these. Look, it's easy. You can easy to do. You could, um, you could probably even use the guts of an old transistor radio. For a receiver. For a receiver and just pull it up on frequency. That's what I do, yeah. And stuff, because I thought of doing that. Um, and uh, gee whiz, it'd be nothing to sort of make a little transmitter, AM modulated transmitter. 
Well, if you're not worried about quality and even spurious responses, since it's hardly much is going to get out and it's all going to be filtered in the antenna, you could just have some... I mean, there's plenty of transistors that work on up to a few megs. Yeah. If you wanted to, um, no problems at all. DC 109 preamp or something like that. Yeah, be quite. microphone, you wouldn't need to anyway. You've got plenty of drive from That's right. Yeah, yeah, it'd be easy to do. And it'd be quite a neat little thing to have, walk around on HF. Well, I've sort of thought about that. I was, I was going to try and make one really a tiny one, actually, something about um, oh, the size of packing a cigarette or something. Oh, yeah. But you come down to battery power, getting your battery in there and getting your antenna. Well, that's right, because you only get, unlike the 50 meg thing, you, only 2 or 3% is going to be radiated. Exactly right. So uh, you need as much power as possible. But uh, it's interesting little. It's Project 9256. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's always ongoing projects, I'm afraid. Yeah, but it's, it's good playing with AM. It sounds, I mean, when you think about it, it's, uh, if there's no adjacent channel interference, yeah. it still works pretty... Um, yeah, of course it does. It works very well. Well, when you consider this little set I'm doing here was designed in 1949. Amazing. Well, in those days, up until the 60s, basically uh, all the field work was done by 5 or 10 watt AM transmitters that's like right, that. That's right. Well, look, I've worked on this set. I've worked interstate quite successfully on this set. No problems. Um, I've worked quite a few stations around the place on, uh, on 80 metres. It's amazing. So well, it's, it's been quite... I've, got, I've got actually got through to um, Tassie on it and I've got over to Perth on it. That's amazing. Because I remember the... Um, I had an RC-16B, which... Okay. which do, you, do you know those sets? RC-16, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the numbers for me. It was a Forestry Commission thing. Right. It was a predecessor of the Forest Phone, basically. Oh, isn't it the valve version? Yes. Right, yeah, know the one. And it had... There was a more modern version had the miniature battery valves. Yeah. And the RC-16B had the um, octal battery yeah, valve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. Is that right? Yeah, because the, the guy who sent me the uh, circuit diagram, he used to get a circuit manual for this whole set here. Yeah. He sent me some information on the RC16 because basically that was the forerunner uh, to this. They changed it a bit. I mean, the RC16 uses plate and screen modulation. That's right. Uh, so it's got quite good modulation. Had an I, I, 1L5. That's right. Is that's a mod. Right. Yep, yep. Used to, I used that was the very first military set that I had. I got that when I was about 14. Is that right, with the fold-out lid? That's the one with the speaker in it. Did you buy it at hands? No, actually, um, I swapped um, a 100 milliwatt Toshiba walkie-talkie for it. Oh, good deal. To a, to a guy down in Frankston. Ah. And um, I was just so impressed with it when I saw it. They had good receivers. Yes. Yes, they... Um, I got the, got the thing going, but I didn't know much about radio then, and I think I've heard the filament out eventually. Right. But, uh, yeah, amazing little, uh, little set. It looked very impressive. They are, yeah. And, Do you have one? Oh, I, had, I haven't got it now. Unfortunately, on my many moves, it's one of the things that had to go. Right. But um, I'm, when I first got a car, I installed it in the car, even though it wasn't connected, just so it looked impressive, yeah. you know. <laughs> with, and they had that microphone with the rubber thing. That's right. Yeah. And I used to hang it on the dashboard and people say, oh, you've got a two-way radio here, because in those days it was very important, you know. <laughs> then I got a buzzing MR6A and used to listen to the Channel 1 repeater. I thought yeah. that was pretty good. But the RC16, I got it going on receive, because yeah. I didn't have any crystals, because it was crystal locked for transmit. Right. Yep, yep. 
and it was my first half decent um, you know semi comms receiver and it had a BFO switch and it could actually listen to sideband. That's right, they had a BFO in there because they kept all the That's right. And it was pretty hard to tune, but it was better than having two transistor radios together trying to receive it yeah. like I used to. Yeah. And I used to listen to... Um, it, it didn't cover 160, unfortunately. Right. But recovered covered 80 and 40, and yeah. there was quite a bit of AM on in those days. Well, that's right. I remember when I used to listen, I, I was accidentally going across uh, AM broadcast 40 metres my brother Sherwell Radio years ago. That's and right. That's when I first started hearing that uh, AM radio. Yep, that's right. You know, one guy was, I remember one guy was in Mornington and one was in Frankston and somewhere else, and uh, I just used to put the whip up every morning and listen to these guys. Well, I think that's what, you know, it's missed out a lot now because it isn't accessible to the general public. No, no. I suppose right. people have scanners and can listen to VHF, but it's not quite the same. No. No, but oh, the, well. the RC-16, I used to listen on, that would have been either 2182 or two, two, probably 2425 or yeah, whatever it is, yeah, and frequency. that was, it was like listening to 27 megs at night, it was just a heterodyne with different people coming on, That's right. and you'd hear the fishing boats all the way up the coast of um, uh, New South Wales. And you also had all the fishing boats up at sort of like uh, several hundred miles inland as well. Well, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and it was... Um, um, and they were running, you know, five watt transmitters, and they used to come through pretty well. I remember getting uh, test reports uh, uh, from um, the Thirty Year Life Saving Club when I was running my uh, number sixty-two set. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> but they used to. It was all HF. We used to do a live report to three um, KZ. That's right. And I remember one day, I don't know what happened, but somebody, some very really funny things came over the air there. Things went on there. <laughs> That's right. Didn't they use the, well, the 3DB to have the flying tempo, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. A friend of mine actually uh, went down to Bravin used to uh, serve at that plane. <laughs> really? And uh, the damn thing, uh, one day, they, they changed the motor on it eventually, but also the thing used to, um, uh, used to, used to sink. Uh, all the rubber seals had gone out. Oh, yeah. And uh, one day they did a, uh, Bill Sir used to fly a thing, and um, they did a water landing up one day, and uh, they couldn't get off the ground because it took on too much water. Oh, no. So uh, this guy actually had to jump in the water and swim ashore, catch a taxi back to the airport so they could get off. That's amazing, isn't it? So you know what they did? No. It was going to be too expensive to repair the rubber seals. They stuck some bilge pumps in it. Oh. So every time they landed, they just had the bilge pumps going to pump the water out. Now, that eventually crashed, didn't it? I don't know. It got sold. It got sold down there. I don't know where it ended up going. Um, but uh, it might have crashed at some time. I know at one time when it took off, the uh, it's got a variable pitch prop on it. Yeah. And the, the, the pitch prop mechanism slipped. Oh. So it was only just getting above the houses uh, when it took off. Uh. Uh, really exploding. But they ended up changing the motor and the thing to a more powerful motor. Right. But yeah, they did get rid of it. They did get rid of that thing. It, it used to sort of... Um, you would only stay on the water for so, so many minutes. It would sink. And it would sink. That's incredible. Now, I, I, I do remember hearing, I think, Bill Sir and that plane, I think, crashed. I think it was the end of him. Yeah, no, I used to work, I used to work for Bill Sir, actually. Right. Um, down below, and he had the Peninsula Air, service, Air Ambulance Service. All oh, right. And, um, yeah, he, um... He took off from uh, Essendon in a twin engine. Yeah. And uh, one of the engines fired up on takeoff. Is that right? Yeah, and he went into the ground. He had a full load on. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, plowed into the ground. That's no good. Now, now everyone sort of blew up. Yeah. It's a pr danger period, isn't it, when you're taking off? Yeah, 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 that's for sure. 
Mr. Shaw, I remember um, I actually flew with him once in a Dornier, a World War II spread out the German aircraft. Really? He used to tow the banners around. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had to tow a banner over Vegetal Park one time, but you're not allowed to take a banner off from Raven Airport. All right. So we took it from Raven and landed at Berwick, unfolded the banner, and he said to me, he said, oh, how much do you weigh? And I said, oh, about nine or ten stone, whatever it was at the time. And yeah. He said, oh, OK, I think we should get off. And this plane's equipped with flaps on the wings for a quick uh, takeoff. Yeah. And I tell you what, that's it, sort of amazing because he towed the big, he got the banner out, and the plane actually points towards the banner. And you it's actually true. don't drag it off, you actually sort of run towards it, you get your airspeed, you just pull it straight off, off the ground. That's amazing. And I just remember, sort of when he says he pulled the stick back, I mean, you just went up in such an angle, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the sort of the plane just sort of, just the ground just dropped away, you know? Oh, dear. But he, um, at one time, when he was towing that banner around, it got stuck and he oh. couldn't release it. Oh. And he's flying around for ages and ages trying to actually get this thing to, uh, to release. Oh, they have to let it go before they land. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, eventually it, it, it released and there was some Department of Aviation officials on the ground and it just, they, this, this damn huge banner just fell down and just missed them. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't very impressed. I can imagine. They weren't impressed. Yeah, I think it'd be a bit dicey towing one of those. You'd be, the uh, wind would be... Um, the plane is really funny. You can feel the drag yep. uh, from the sea. And when um, when we're coming into land, like you have, to, you have to release it. And it's like being in a V8 and just planting your foot. Is that right? When you when you release the banner, it's just it releases all this drag, and the whole plane just surges forward. And you get pushed right back. Yeah, quite amazing. Yeah. Well, that's certainly uh, quite an experience, isn't it? Flying in a plane with a banner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the first and only time I've done it. And also, well, you've got to have a weight on the end of the banner. Yeah. For some reason, uh, the weight wasn't in the plane when he got there. And Bill was cursing and swearing, so uh, he found this old reel that you um, this old reel with the uh, cable on. Yeah. And he ended up smashing that in half. It was a metal reel, and he <laughs> ended up tying that to the end of the banner. <laughs> So uh, I just thought, well, let's hope this doesn't come apart. It'll land on somebody's head. I'll tell you what, from that height. Yeah. <laughs> the, department, uh, the department wouldn't be very happy at all. No, they wouldn't be happy chappies, that's for sure. Mm. Anyway. See, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, quite a lot of reminiscences there about the aircraft. Yeah, good fun. Good fun. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I might, um, I might call it a night here. Look, um, we'll have to have more of these live missions. Yeah. Because I think there's quite a bit of interest there. Yep. I'll have to get some more power going too, which would help as well. If you're running 100 watts with the A, that, that on 80 metres would be a fantastic signal. No, well, I do. I've had it running on 80, OK. When I do, it's, it's primarily for 160. Yeah. But what I can do, I actually still have the same VFO, but I double it in the driver. Right, yeah. And it comes out, I get about 70 watts out on 80. That's not bad. Um, the only trouble is it tends to be a little bit broad. Um, so I might have to limit the uh, the audio a little bit more. Yeah. I think the reason it's broad is because I'm doubling it. If I if I had a um, if I had a VFO that was working in 80 metres, I think I could get the tuned circuits a lot sharper on it as well. Oh right. I mean, it shouldn't really. Uh, it's not like FM where you double the deviation when you double. But no, um, no, no. But I have no filtering in the, uh, in the modulator. Right. And it, it, uh, I mean, on 160 metres, definitely it sounds sounds quite good. But yeah. um, I. It, I think um, if I put a bit more filtering on it uh, and stuff, and maybe just on the upper stage a bit more, um, and, and the audio, we stick to the audio a bit, it might be okay. But anyway, this time of night, I don't think it's a problem. Well, as I said earlier on, um, there's above, well, after 10 o'clock at night, there's hardly anyone on 80. Yeah, I know, it's good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking, you know, gee, I'm gonna, someone's going to want to use 3670, but no one ever has since I've been on. No, no, that's right. I, I sort of got that crystal cut to start going catch up with those guys on, uh, on 80, but um, they disappeared. Yeah, what's happened to FPQ, to FPQ? I, um, uh, uh, now that's, um, what, um, what's his name again? Oh, John? Uh, no, I don't know, uh, Graham. Graham, up in near Sydney somewhere. Yeah, I don't because I've had a few good contacts with him, then he just sort of disappeared. Yeah, it seems to sort of like the intermittent spurts of uh, activity, then it disappears. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, yeah, look, with this other set here, we'll, uh, we'll get that set up, because it does put out a good signal. You'll, uh, I should, you should get a good one on me once I get this other big set going again. Should be excellent. So, uh, yeah, be a bit of fun. Well, look, thanks for coming up. It's been a really good night and no sleep, but bad luck. Yeah, that's all right. I can only really afford to do this one night a week. <laughs> yeah, same here. Normally when the replays are on, I'm inside washing the dishes or cleaning the stove or doing something useful. Yeah. So if there's actually people on live, it's a, it's a whole lot of work I don't get done. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've sort of been up having some late nights anyway. I've just become a father in the last three weeks. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thanks, and um, uh, so we're going through the sleepless night stage at the moment. Oh, dear. So uh, I've been out in the radio shack sometimes. I've come out and started filling around 4 o'clock in the morning. It's uh, a... Changed your lifestyle? Uh, a little bit, but it's not bad. It's not bad, but it's just um, uh, I haven't been in for a while, so I'm, I'm letting Debbie sort of handle it at the moment. But I'll let him there, and I'll probably get my turn. Yeah, probably. Well, look, um, you've got another six years of before they're, they're <laughs> no, no trouble. Yeah. But uh, uh, our kids are sort of now just starting. Well, they're really good, and it's sort of the first yeah. few years is it's it's a it's a big struggle. Yeah. It's a lot of time and effort, but it's wor well worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's my first time. Right. Uh, but anyway, good experience. Oh, yeah, it is. It's sort of, uh, you just have to uh, rationalise your time. Yeah. What I found when, um, you know, the, the sort of uh, kids came along, you had to really say, well, what's the priority? Yeah. And yeah. to say, well, look, you do radio one night a week. Yeah. But then you just have to sort of say, well, you just got to be efficient and, and still do the things you want to do, but, yeah. but not, not spend time messing around and wasting time. Yeah, whereas if you haven't got responsibilities, you can just spend all time, you know, to do what you like. That's right. You need some, something to sort of, um, I guess, uh, control you, give a bit of, uh, in, you know, a time well, restraint. We're, we're sort of busy because um, uh, sort of getting on a, on a, uh, a different track here. Um, we actually, both Debbie and myself, we actually. Um, do a lot of work within the schools and uh, stuff. We actually do drumming up here. Oh, yes. We do uh, all forms of drumming. African drumming is a big thing at the moment, but oh. I've been doing that for a while anyway, just right. for And I actually make the drums as well. Right. <laughs> Time-consuming? Yeah, they're all carved out of a solid piece of timber, but we sort of... Um, I've quite a few of them, actually, here on the interstate and stuff, which is interesting. Um, but uh, we do a lot of work with the schools, and we've got some workshops over the school holidays coming up mm. with the kids. And uh, we've done the Warrior Performing Arts for a few years and stuff like that. And it's a bit of fun too. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. But uh, that does take a bit of time when you're uh, making the drums up. That's quite time consuming. Well, yeah, everything is, isn't it? If you're creative. Yeah, yeah. So many people these days are not going to sit in front of a TV or go down to the pub or something, you know. I've had people say to me, they say, how do you get to do all this? How do you find time to do all these things? And I say, well, what do you do? And when you, when you look at their lives, all they do is about well, say things, they go to work, eat, sleep and drink, and that's it. That's right, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's interes
Oh, yeah, the more that you do, the more you can. You got time to do, I suppose. Yeah. You want something done? See a busy man. That's right. That's right. That's the old thing, isn't it? Yep. Someone with plenty of time won't get that. Won't do anything for yeah. you. Sounds great. Yeah, well, I put a bit of work getting this inverter working properly because I had a pair of BC611 walkie-talkies at one time. Ah, yes. You know, they're the original walkie-talkie style. Yeah, original walkie-talkies. Yep. Um, I made a, a little inverter to get those going one day, and it did run. Well, it did the problem was I, um, I had to put a new inverter in there Right. From the inverter, so uh, having learned by that, I made this inverter at quite a low frequency and hence no noise or hash. That's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, it works very well. Those walkie-talkies, were they any good? Oh, yeah, I got them going. It was both eyes were open circuit, but it was only because the ends of the wires on the outside of the line, unfortunately, had um, corroded for some reason. Right. Um, and all I had to do was take one winding off and uh, resolder them, they were fine. Now, they were actually used in the Second World War, weren't they? Yeah, uh, the frequency on the crystals in that one for 3.8 megs. 3.8. Gee. You can imagine, like, the whip didn't go up very tall. Yeah. And uh, I think they were maybe correlated inside, but you can imagine the efficiency of them wasn't very good. Yeah. They, no wonder, this is well the, uh, I guess the, um, in the... The Coral Sea Battle or Water Canal, they would have been... Uh, get, once you got in the jungle, I don't think it would have been much uh, signal coming out. But you see the old war movies and they're trying to use them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But over water, I think you get a good range of flat land. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I used to see those and think, wow, imagine having a walkie-talkie like that and now you can get a little phone that, you know, you oh. stick in your pocket. <laughs> Oh, yes. And that's what I first saw them. I've always wanted a pair of them. Yep. I always wanted a pair. I did get a pair eventually, but, um, uh, yeah, but uh, as I say, yeah, now, when you look at the technology now, amazing. It is. Like, it must have a similar thing to me. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I always like, made walkie-talkies out of matchboxes or something. Yeah. And I've always been a bit of a fan of walkie-talkies with yeah. you know, handhelds and yeah. things. And... Every time I see disposals, um, walkie-talkies or, you know, um, handheld radios are by them. I've got boxes here of UHF ones and VHF ones. And I think um, if I, my tender's successful, I'll be getting a few uh, MX-300s. Oh, what are they? They're the... You know the ones the police used to use? Well, they still use them, the silver-fronted ones, the Motorola ones? Yeah, yeah. And now they've got the more modern ones with the press buttons. But... Um, you still see them, the police use them, protective services, they're still a current model, although they're getting a bit old now. Uh, no, they're not, they're crystal locked and they're a pain to change because they're, they're all little modules and... But uh, they won't, if, I'm not paying much for them, but um, I might convert one to two metres and uh, leave the others on the original channel or something, but they look very impressive. And you could drop them off a ten-storey building and they'll still work. That's right, yeah. So, it's interesting, um, the, the, the theory of uh, being able to... Look, the first walkie-talkie I got, I, um, if the egg's listening to this, he'll be jumping up and down, because <laughs> he's got a lot to say, too. But um, anyway, yeah, I've, I got a pair of ten sets. Uh -huh. T uh, ten sets. Ten? Yeah, you know what they were like? I'm trying to think the ten sets. Yeah, they were a man-pack thing. Oh, the That's right. 
And they worked on six metres. That's right. And it had this enormous big battery in them. That's right. And a big flappo whip thing. Yeah. And we used to walk around with those on our backs. Oh, I did too. I had them on my pushbike. That's right. And you get, they had quite a good range. I actually got quite a lot. Mm. And um, I didn't have a license back then. Oh, no. And uh, I Oh, they were very good. You could listen to Channel O. You can wipe out the voice and leave the picture. Yep. You can wipe out the picture and leave the voice. Yep. And I, uh, I saw it across the real stir one day because um, uh, our neighbours and stuff who didn't know what I did. Um, I was looking for the window. I could see I was watching Channel O back then. Yeah. And I said, this is the weekend of uh, 64 Chelsea Road, Chelsea. If you're watching this program, and you're watching this program, and you're watching the panic going on inside. This is hilarious. And then, then I was a bugger one day where this guy was watching And he sat there for a while, and he sat there for a while, and he got up and he thumped his TV and changed channels and let the button go. Yeah. And he sat down again. I mean, this was pretty naughty. Yeah. So he pushed the button again, and he, he shrugged and he got up and he sort of banged it again and turned it, and it, it came back on to let the button go. He sat down. And the third time I did it, he just got up and turned the thing off and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but the best time, the best time is actually when I used to play in a, in a rock and roll band. Yeah. Uh, the drummer did this guy off the road, who was a real pain, he was a teacher, ex-teacher, well, he was a teacher, and he came down and the BSL out of this one night. Yeah. So I thought, right, then I had to Yeah. And fortunately, it happened to be on Channel O. Oh, great. So what I did, I, I, I abused him quite nastily over his own TV. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what he would have done. I don't know, we decided to abuse him Well, I'd say you've got to have fun with these things. Yeah, yeah. And it was all very exciting then, of course, you, you thought you'd get booked and go to jail for 20 yeah, years. I thought it was very commercially orientated too, because uh, next door, when I was about the same age, I was building a set of flats. Oh, yeah. And the workmen and the were only breaking of Italian or Italian orientation. Yeah. They had their radio blaring away, so I had a signal generator, so I jammed it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I placed my head over the fence, I said, oh, you're having That's amazing, isn't it? So, uh, and, uh, yeah, well, it, uh, it worked. You could have gone a long way. I know, if I became too corrupted, I probably couldn't. Yeah, but you used car salesman or something. Yeah, yeah, thank God I didn't. But it's amazing all those old sets that you used to play with and think they were so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I got an old Valve radio one day, and I, this happened accidentally, I don't know how I did it, but I was filling around with it, and I was changing the wires and the ferret rod uh, lipstick antenna, mm. Yep. But not only that, it was actually transmitting a modulated tone at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I keyed it, and I was trans it was all over the medium broadcast band. Mm. And uh, so I was just sending CW or any real type of CW, and uh, it worked quite well. But the best one yet, so I got a big Tesla coil. Oh, that would have been good. And um, put an antenna onto that. I've got a genuine Ford Spark coil here, oh, which I've tempted, tempted to do some tests with. Oh, nothing like a bit of Spark emission, is it? That's right. That's right. Well, the earliest transmitters I had was just getting old mains, you know, the five-valve superheterodyne. Yeah. And um, I noticed you could sort of use them as transmitters for a short distance. Right. So 
you stuck a big aerial onto the plate of the oscillator tubies, and then you talked into the variable condenser and you sort of got FM. Then I read a few books, and then I started to, I would have, I guess I would have been screen modulating the thing. And uh, I had the old HMV uh, Super Nipper or whatever it was. And I had a friend of mine in St Kilda when I was in, in Glen Huntley. Right. And um, we used to talk to each other with these sets. Yeah, very good. And the signal strength was pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was sort of, uh, I guess it was, you probably would have been putting out 100 milliwatts or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing I thought, well, if you, the thing is you're just using a radio, they can't book you for that, you know. Right, that's right, that's right. Uh, look, some, of the, some of the things are... Got away with doing. I remember uh, a funny thing. I used to play around with um, some high-powered audio amplifiers. Oh yes. And try to transmit audio through a sort of different medium. Oh, through the ground. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. I managed to get it up to a friend's place. It was about uh, five houses away, five blocks away. All oh, right. Uh, by putting these probes into the ground, spacing it in different ways, and mm. um, uh, also attached it to uh, the gas mains too. And um, he was picking it up there. But what happened? There was up in his house. Yeah. And uh, out of the shower or something like that, and the voice was coming out of the shower, fitting something like that. Like, oh, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, well, the things you try. You can try the gas pipes and water pipes because they're almost separated. Yeah, that's right. You put about 20 watts in one end, and down the street you can just hear it. What amazes me, even with audio, it will transmit like RF. It will, yeah. You have a big enough sort of uh, antenna. I mean, I've, I've got a Down, these things down to the audio spectrum. Yeah. And you get an audio signal generator, and you stick a wire onto the end of it, and with no transmission to the receiver, pick it up. It does, yeah. Hmm. Because I heard at one stage that someone down the Arctic or the air, when I used to have trouble with the um, uh, the uh, the southern or the northern lights, whichever place it was in, yeah. it used to cause a lot of interference on the radio communications. Yeah. So they actually lay out, I think, a big 20 mile loop on antenna. Right. Just, just stand by, it's not at the door. Yeah, you probably have to go. If you do, we'll, we'll understand that and we'll let you go off to um, do your duties. So uh, we'll stand by for a little while. Then we can continue the discussion another day, which will be very nice indeed. Yes, I have been. I've been called. OK, look, we'll this is a very interesting discussion. We'll continue it another night. Yeah, OK, yeah. Um, uh, so good to catch you. Yeah. yeah Right. And I think we've got a friend calling in fairly early, so it means um, I'll have to drag myself out. OK. So good to catch you. It's been, very, it's been an excellent night. Yeah, we'll enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch you again. OK, cheers, sir. Uh, cheers, cheers, Ross.